Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Welcome, Sharon. How you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Yeah? You got the giggles over there. Oh, my God. I'm just so happy to be live and in person and with you and with our guests. Yeah. We're at the Asheville meeting. Yeah, for North Carolina and South Carolina combined meeting. 350 CRNAs have sold out. Mm -hmm. People are wanting to get out, and that's a good sign, hopefully, moving forward. I mean... With COVID and everything else going on, it's uh, you know it's difficult. But mm-hmm. uh, of course, I had my bout with it not too long ago. You you haven't had the pleasure yet, have you? And I will not. You better knock on wood. All I, I can say. do not want that stuff. <laughs> even though I am vaccinated, and uh, you were vaccinated, I was vaccinated too. So, I know. You know, it's jumping around to people. So. Yeah, But we have a wonderful guest with us today. Of course, he's been with us before. He's one of our hometown guys, too. Absolutely. You know, Homeboy. Mike Riker. Welcome, Mike. Good to see Thank you. you. Thank you so much. And Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always good to have you. And I know this was one that you and I had talked about earlier, and I'm glad to get this on and hopefully do some good today. So Yeah, it's an important topic. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know if you know this, this happens to be Suicide Prevention Week. So this really? is actually perfect timing for us to talk about this topic today. I was today. actually going to mention that. Yeah, I saw that. So, And we're going to be talking about mental health awareness among healthcare trainees and probably get into, you know, mental health awareness for everybody in healthcare. Yep. It's such a needed topic, especially at this time with COVID and and all the stuff going on around the country. So, Mike, why do you think this is so important for us to discuss this? 
Well, I mean, there's really kind of this stair-step escalation. You've got, you know, the basic level of stress that's going on in the world, and, and especially among young people. You right. know, we see yeah. rates of anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts just going crazy, even before the pandemic, right? right. So even when, when we looked, there was a study in, in 2019, and it said something like one out of six young people had contemplated suicide oh in the past gosh. year. And, and that, being bad enough as it is, was almost a 50% increase from a decade before. So, mm-hmm. you know, you start with the stresses of day-to-day life from social media and the expectations that that creates for young folks. And then you add on top of it the pandemic, you know, and, and all the challenges that provides as we can't spend time sitting with each other and mm-hmm. going to church and, you know, seeing people in the workplace. And, and then you compound that with a lot of challenges that are very specific to healthcare workers. So it's really, you know, kind of, a, I, I think we could consider it a, a crisis kind of situation. And unfortunately, it's the type of thing that people don't talk about a whole lot. And that's the whole point of these awareness weeks and months and things is that we need to talk about it more because it's something that we as a society tend to just kind of want to slide these things under the carpet and, and that's not where they need to be. Right. Right. And COVID's well, created the perfect storm. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah, perfect in, storm. in a lot of different ways, for sure. Mike, just because some of our, our listeners might not know you, I know the majority of people around the country do know who you are or know of you, but just kind of give a little bit about your background as well. Sure. So, so I'm the chair of the academic nursing department at Wake Forest School of Medicine, and I've been the program director of the anesthesia program there for a number of years and been a CRNA for 27 years, so somewhere thereabout, I think, mm-hmm. is where we're at now. Been a good long time. And so that's me. Yeah. That's me. And we had you on not too long ago to talk mm-hmm. about, you know, being deployed I for a little a, while. had a nice all-expense-paid vacation on, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on behalf of the government, yeah, there uh, last uh, week, last year into this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, let's kind of kick it off and, you know, talk about some of the things you already mentioned. You know, we've got rising rates of depression and mental illness, and obviously COVID has exacerbated that so we can kind of start talking about some of those topics and kind of dovetail into you know maybe how nurse anesthetists and SRNAs and healthcare trainees can maybe cope with some of these mechanisms as we move forward as well. Yeah, yeah. So, well, for starters, like I said, you know, the we've passed 100 million cases globally of, of COVID. It's 2 million deaths. You know, the National Institute of Mental Health says that one out of five adults suffers from mental illness of some sort. And, you know, we know anxiety among college students is very high. Depression, anxiety is around 12%. In college students, depression is about 8 to 10%. And so, you know, it's, it's hard. Young, life is hard for young folks right now. And, and then, yep. as you said, compounding that, with having these kids enroll in a college, but they can't actually go to the college. You know, they're, right. they're in high school, but they can't actually go to high school. They're in sports, but they can't actually do the sports. And so all the things that make life fun and make work fun and make school fun were really taken away. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, no added, prom. With, with the, no prom, right. Added, added this no big, graduation. Big blanket of stress on top of that, you know, has, has really made life very challenging and, and just compounded a, an issue that was already kind of building. Yeah. Wow. So it sounds like there's a baseline of mental health concerns, and then it's been compounded with COVID. You know, my big question is this. Was it always there? Or, you know, you talked about the baseline anxiety. Did we just not talk about it back then? I have a hard time wrapping my head around Mm -hmm. some of it. Because, and I know other people say this, it's like, 
kids these days got it pretty good. <laughs> you know, I think the same thing. <laughs> I, was, I, I, was, I mean, I don't mean to demean the situation at all, but I mean, you know, you had to get up and turn the TV yeah. or you were the remote. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Well, they you were raised different though, too. I mean, and, you know. I mean, I know we did it. It's, we did yeah, it yeah, to them, but it's it's super complex. I'm yeah. sure, and I'm not a I'm not a you know child psychologist, but uh, but I, I had the same thought. I was thinking about this last night. I had that that same thing struck my mind as I thought, gosh, you know, compared to what we had as kids, right. you know, right. the, the luxuries that kids have and the access to friends and all the technology and stuff. It it seems like it should be good, and paradoxically, it's really interesting. It, it's uh, it's worse, it's right? Yes. It, yeah. And and yeah. I, and there's some of the stuff that's really kind of superficial. Like we've got the Instagram, and everyone's filtered. You, got, right. you know, and everyone you know shows what parts of their life they want to show and they make it look like you mm-hmm. know all the best parts great. right everything's great and and so that that part's pretty easy to understand how that creates stress and creates really sort of unreasonable expectations you know among kids of what well, am I doing everything? Am I, am I having all those right things? Or am I mm-hmm. having the, am I doing the right things, having the right experiences? But it does seem that it, it just has been building in our society. It is something that's there. And, you know, there, there's stigma with it, right? People don't like to talk about it. So we, we don't like to say, you know, my kid's got depression or my kid's got anxiety disorder or my kid's on medicine. So, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, I think it, it's been building and, you know, just not building really out in the open. I think mm-hmm. it's been sort of building behind closed doors. So, you know, healthcare workers obviously have been uniquely affected throughout this pandemic. And you want to talk a little bit about that and and what that, you know, possibly means for healthcare workers in general and some of the conflicts that they're dealing with right now. Yeah. Healthcare workers in particular, talk about the perfect storm. It's all of these things then get compounded, right? Because we've, first of all, you know, devoted our lives to helping people. We want to support people's wellness. We want to support family, you know, the whole nursing theory, remember your nursing theory course here, mm-hmm. biopsychosocial mm-hmm. wellness and care. And so you think about what happens in a pandemic, you know, all these people are separated. The families can't come in. We see all these people with pain and suffering, these very severe critical illnesses, staffing shortages because now our ICUs are full. Then some of these nurses get these great offers. You know, hey, we built this big center, this Javits Center. We're going to take care of these COVID patients. And by the way, we're going to pay you $800 to come work there an hour. And people go, which is yep. nice that they want to help. And then that leaves a staffing shortage at home. Right. You know, so there's so many <clears throat> aspects of this that get compounded. You know, these, these nurses are, are watching people die you know telling the family you have to stay out right. and then watching the patient die and then having to go tell the family by the way while i told you to stay out there your loved one is gone now mm-hmm. yeah. um you know there's just so much about it that is so challenging and, and then for personal safety too right we have to worry about this unknown this big unknown of this disease and what causes it how does it get transmitted well if you're you know within six feet for 15 minutes you know that's bad well yep. what if it was two minutes or what if it was 17 minutes or what if i was three feet away and you know there's so much unknown back and forth and you know not from anyone's fault or intention but no one knew right wear the mask don't wear the mask oh the mm-hmm. mask is okay but only this type of mask oh no that type of mask doesn't make a difference the cloth mask is okay and so right. it is very reminiscent <clears throat> to me and, and you remember yes. this too of AIDS. the aids epidemic right in the mm-hmm. late 80s i was just transitioning from an emt to going into my nursing career and and we had just named hiv 86 right we came mm-hmm. up with a name for it and now it had this this very scary oh mm-hmm. there's this thing that you got to worry about and it was like well, these patients that have it, oh my gosh, I am terrified. Mm-hmm. What, what if right. what if the guy sneezes? What if right. the lady, you know, sheds a tear on me? You know, we're terrified of it. Do I wear the gloves? Do I not wear the gloves? And then the patients that 
didn't have the diagnosis, equally scary. Because they said, well, they could have it, but you won't know about it at first. So now it's equally scary. Well, now do I have to do all these same things for that patient? Hmm. The SARS epidemic in 2002, Mm -hmm. same, right? We see the same thing. So it's not new. It's not unusual. But, you know, again, it's sort of compounding on top of all this other stuff that's going on. And then, so for the healthcare workers, you've got the personal safety. You know, am I going to be okay? Because, you know, the government, local, state, national government says, hey, you know what? This is crazy. Something terrible is going on. Go home. Shut down the businesses. Go home. Stay safe. Only leave your house when you need to. And everyone says, thank goodness. Yeah, we'll do that. Oh, right. oh, oh, no. Except nurses, for you. Hey, uh, <laughs> Except for you. Uh, see, see at 7 a.m. Uh, nurses, yeah, no, just go wash up and come on back. And so, you know, put them in this very bad situation. You know, put the healthcare workers in this very bad situation. And then it's not only the personal safety, but then there's this issue about what about my family, you mm-hmm. know? And, and Am I going to give it to them? Am I going to give it to them? And, you know, we hear these reports about people that would come home and strip down in their garage, you know? Yeah. Should, oh. I leave, should I leave the scrubs outside? You know, what is, is Tracy Castleman was it, in, my friend Tracy was in the hotbed up in New Jersey, and that's oh, exactly yeah, she what was. she did. I mean, she'd even leave her groceries outside for, you know, a certain amount of time and uh, it was yeah. just insane what they were having to go through yeah well I, th- I thought it was interesting you know I when I had COVID you know Sarah called and said hey Jeremy's got COVID and they said well do you have any symptoms and she said no and they said well you need to come to work mm-hmm. whereas with my kids and with everyone else if you're around with someone like, they want away. you to stay out yeah. for 10 days yeah. but healthcare workers no. As long as you don't have any symptoms, you get your butt to work. I mean, which was interesting to me. I was like, that just seems so... Well, I mean, this is even more basic than that. But I can remember I would have people say on the radio, if it snowed, it would say, the Baptist snow plan is in effect. And (laughs) somebody said, (laughs) uh, they said, what does that mean? I mean, I said, it means... Get your butt to work. That's yeah, right. No we don't what. care <laughs> that the roads are bad. Right. Get butt to work. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, all these are obviously stressors and it leads to mental health concerns. And, you know, that's happened, you know, too many times. I mean, we've all known people that have taken their own life and have been dealing with situations. And a lot of times you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the thing. These people are, you know, they're high achievers, they're go-getters. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you wake up one day and they say such and such, you know, they've, they've committed suicide. And you go, what? that person? Yeah. What? Yeah, exactly. the last really? Person. The last person I would have ever thought? They never, it's always that They never let person. anybody, bo- anything mm-hmm. bother them. I mean, talk about that a little bit, because that is something that is also concerning yeah. in this. Well, and, and the story that I'll share with you about that, you know, I, I'll preface that by saying, you know, the other aspect of this that's really challenging for healthcare workers is, is the stigmatization. And, and when you yes. look in the psychological literature, it talks about stigma a lot. And we're familiar with the stigma of the patient, the AIDS patient. Oh, right. don't touch mm-hmm. that yeah. guy. Right. And now we see it with the COVID patients, right? Oh, a patient's got COVID. And then you see the stigma of, well, did they get vaccinated or not? And, and you hear people talking about stuff like, well, they weren't vaccinated, so they shouldn't deserve a ventilator. Like, we don't we don't say that. But we don't say this guy was in a car wreck. He doesn't deserve to get care because he was probably speeding, right? So right. there's all this right. stigma that's involved mm-hmm. in a very negative way. And then there's a, a really paradoxical stigma related to healthcare workers where we see in, in very well-intentioned uh, events, 
people will, you know, have these banners, welcome home our heroes, our healthcare heroes. Yes. Um, these are our healthcare heroes. They're on the front lines. They're doing that stuff, you know, just like the firemen that, you know, risk their life going in the, the building or the you know, military person or police officer or whatever. And, and, that, and that's great, right? It's great that we are providing that recognition. But that sets an expectation, right? Yeah. Just, just like sure. back to the back to the social media with the kids sort of thing. That sets an expectation because when people say stay home, oh, but you nurses, there's a lot of nurses that are saying, but, but I don't want to be a hero today. <laughs> you yes. know? Right. I, I, right. I wasn't, that wasn't really my plan because yeah. I got an elderly grandmother. I got the sick kid or the kid that can't get vaccinated or, the, you know, the elderly parent or whatever it is. And so, you know, we have this stigmatization of you guys are the heroes – thank you, but that doesn't fix the problem. That doesn't right. make it all better. That right. It really, in some ways, maybe just accentuates, like I wasn't wanting to run into the fire, you know, the burning building either, you know, so it really yeah. kind of accentuates. True. You're really being put on the front lines, whether you want to or not. And so, you know, that, that stigma part is really tough. I mean, my own daughter, who's a nurse, you know, last summer in the, in the spring, in the summer, she was working, actually ended up on a COVID unit. She was living in a house with some other girls, and they were all being really responsible. We're not going to go to parties. They all agreed. We're not going to go to parties. We're not going to do this. We're going to wear a mask, all that stuff. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to go hang out with a bunch of COVID positive people, you know, who are really yeah. super sick right now. She ended up moving to a hotel. She spent a couple of months living in a hotel because of that stigma. And, and she didn't get pushed out, but she felt it was the right thing to do, you know, mm-hmm. to get out right. of, of, you know, for, right. for the benefit of her roommates. And so that stigma piece, you know, is really, really very harmful. And and I think as anesthetists, you know, we can really relate to that anyway, because as I'm sure Sharon would, would agree, we are the coolest people in healthcare. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, true. We, That's true. And we, the smartest. And the smartest. Right? We, <laughs> we have it together more than anyone else. I hear it all the time. People yeah. come to me all the time. I want to be one of you guys. I yeah. want to yeah. do that. I want to be that nurse that has it all together, is calm and cool and collected in a crisis situation, so super smart, always like, you know, has control. That sets an expectation, sure. right? And, and well, we we put those expectations out there too. Yeah, even yeah. from the educational programs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. it just is. You know, yeah. Sandy used to say, "Never let them see you sweat." <laughs> That's right. Well, and it's true, right? Because if, if you think about that from the patient's perspective, that patient they deserve that, right? The patient does not want to be laying there about to get that propofol pushed no. and have the anesthetist going, uh, "Man, I'm, I'm not really, sure if this is right or not." <laughs> you know, right. um, I'm, I'm really yeah. this I'm really is how you it. do this, right? Yeah, right. Or, or, or just I'm really losing it today. Right or yeah, like, uh, yeah. hey, let me let me just finish crying here, and I'm gonna yeah. push that rope. Right, right. so you there's yeah. you know there's a real fine balance to be struck between that, but it sets an expectation mm-hmm. right, that adds Absolutely. to that stress. Right, and, and and Mike, to your point, one I just want to want to say I don't know if we say anesthetists anymore. Do we say anesthesiologists? I'm not sure what to say, but anyway, I digress on that one. <laughs> yeah, um, we're not going there. <laughs> we're not going there. I'm an anesthetist. Always have been. Always yeah. will be. That's my stance. Um, <laughs> As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan.
But, you know, in, in dealing with, with students, which obviously you deal with all the time, mm-hmm. I mean, there is an enormous amount of pressure yes. on these yeah. students. I yeah. mean, one, it is, it's hard to get into anesthesia school. Yep. I mean, it is tough. And when you're there, there's tremendous responsibility mm-hmm. and a tremendous workload. Mm-hmm. And you do train these students. Uh, I always want to say kids are not kids, but you train these students to be confident and self-reliant and quick decision makers. And I'm, I'm sure that you guys are doing some emotional intelligence type of evaluations on them as well. And, you know, that just puts a tremendous amount of stress. And then you add all the other stressors that are going on in the healthcare environment to these students who are already feeling their way around. Yep. They're and working. have gone from being the best nurse on the unit to right. being the lowest to being on the, the lowest on the totem pole, yep. and they're working with a CRNA, and you know there might be CRNAs that are very well respecting of that student. And there might be CRNAs that Got are just her. quizzing that student, and they don't want to be yep. with them that day. Right. So it adds all kinds of pressure, mm-hmm. and then you got an anesthesiologist, and then you got surgeons who neither one of them have any type of uh, pressure added in scenarios. I'm sure, <laughs> right, right. you know, and, and no egos walking through the room. So <laughs> let's talk about from that aspect a little bit and I know as we talk about that you've got some personal experience with the loss of a student as well that maybe we can chat about. Right. So on top of all that, right, so on top of all the things we've already mentioned, then you have this business of, oh, and I'm being evaluated every day as a student and I've got to live up and I've got this role model that I'm trying to, in my head, I'm trying to live up to becoming this person. And so it's just so much, you know, so many different facets of this stress that gets piled on top of them. And so, so we experienced a loss of a student a year ago and and it was right in the, in the height of COVID. We were in, in June of last year and you know as, as you mentioned before it's never the person that you expect and right. and it, it's a really important lesson i think to get out there you know to your listeners that that depressed person that person struggling is not going to be the person who's cowering in the corner you know in the fetal position in the in the corner of the or right that's not the way you identify that person and sometimes it's very paradoxically the person that seems to the opposite end of the spectrum and, and i think about the example of like robin williams is a, uh, a great exactly. sort of prototype of this right someone yeah. Sometimes the people that seem so happy and they're spending their life making other people happy and, and you come to realize like they're really trying hard to get that themselves, you know, they're, they're really trying, they're, they're struggling with that their own self. So Caitlin Joy Beardsley was, was a student of ours. She was a senior student. She was, she was on the downslope. Right. I mean, she was, in, and that's where it really gets accentuated. The fact that, you know, the environment and the COVID and all that stuff really piled on because she was on the downslope. She had a couple right. months to go. She was a, a phenomenal student. She was a wonderful human being, very spiritual, very connected to her church and her faith. She was smart as a whip. She had this really great acerbic sense of humor. She, she had this, this sarcasm that was just, it was killer. She was just yeah. so much fun to be around. And she was just an incredibly good-hearted person. And I heard a lot of people talk in, in her memorial and other places. I heard a lot of people talk about her uh, habit of gift giving. She was very big on gift giving. And, and in my office, there's a there's a big uh, picture hanging in my office. That's a it's a, a blow up of the original blueprint of an early anesthesia machine. And and she was a junior student. She was barely a couple months in the program. We're heading to Christmas, and before they broke for Christmas break, she said, "You know, I saw this, and I thought that you'd really like it because you taught us about the machine. Uh, you know, in, in that course, and I thought that you'd really enjoy this." And so, you know, she was incredibly kind, incredibly thoughtful person, and and someone that you would just think, you know, just totally has it together. I mean, this girl has got it going on. And um, and then we lost her, you know, and, yeah. and it was June and, and her her roommate called me one day and, and said, you know, Caitlin's dead. And, and that, you know, talk about getting hit 
with a ton of bricks. Yeah. You know, that, that was a, a, a ton of bricks on top of Mack truck. Mm. So what mm. lessons did you learn that you would like to share with our listeners with this whole tragic event? Yeah. And I don't know if there's something we need to know, could have done differently. I mean, well, yeah, but recognize I, it. Well, and, and I also think, you know, Mike, with as, as many students as you guys have through, and, you know, we have, I don't know how many schools out there now. What is the number? 118. 120 or something. Or something. Yeah. You know, it, do you deal with these situations? Do you talk about it more now because of Caitlin? And do you have protocols in place now that maybe you didn't before as well? Yeah. To maybe try to catch this a little earlier. I mean, I know it's not a responsibility, but it is a responsibility in a certain way as well. Yeah. Well, some of the lessons, I think the biggest lesson was just, first of all, recognizing the stress, as we're talking about, recognizing that we're all under stress. And and as healthcare workers that that we have it, you know, in particular. And then I think one of the big lessons was that, you know, it's not going to be obvious. It's not going to be the person's not going to be sitting there having a mental breakdown. And that's going to be the cue that someone's going to say, hey, do you need a hand? Right. It's really going to be, you know, it's it's just much more insidious than that. And, And you have to look for it. You have to be a lot more proactive about it. We spent a lot of time in grief counseling. We had various groups together. We had student groups. We had faculty groups. We had clinical faculty together. We, we mobilized our student um, counselors. We mobilized our, our school chaplain. You know, So we spent a lot of time talking to folks afterwards. And, and one of the things that really emerged was that a lot of people saw a little bit. Mm-hmm. A lot of people saw something, you know, saw a little piece of the puzzle that didn't really mean anything. And, and you know, to their credit, it wouldn't have looked like anything, you know. But, of course, in retrospect, a lot of right. people turned around and said, you know, she made this comment to me this one day, and it, mm. it just seemed a little, you know, a little off, but eh, whatever, you know, she's having a bad day or whatever. And so a lot of people saw a little bit. And, and again, in our society, we're like, we don't want to call that out. We don't want to say like, "Hey, are you struggling mentally?" Right. right? So right. we we just we just go on. And one of her classmates, I mean, one of the most heartbreaking conversations I had with one of her classmates. Her classmate said, "You know, and there's there's one of these stories about having seen a little bit." And and the classmate said, "You know, I I saw her in the locker room, you know, just very shortly before um, she died." And she said, "I you know, we were, we we're getting changed in the morning." And I said, "How's it going?" And and Kevin had some response to her, something like, "Um." Uh, terrible day or you know something like that I forget mm-hmm. what the exact words were but it, it was something that effect and she said oh tell me about it me too and went about mm-hmm. her day and she said to me you know she goes you know dr Riker, <laughs> to tell you the truth we were seniors we were ready to graduate we pretty much right. you know we sort of know what we're doing and and we're, we're tired we're emotionally exhausted we're working through this pandemic we had a lot of change in our schedule and I don't know. It seemed normal to, to say you're having a bad day. I said, right. it, not, nothing seemed really great at that point. And, right. and so, you know, for any classmate to say, like, ugh, terrible day, like, doesn't seem like much of anything. And she goes, you know what? I'm never going to do that again. She goes, I'm never going to say, okay, and move on. She goes, the next time and any time someone says to me, eh, not so good, she goes, I'm going to stop. And just yeah. just, just stop and yeah. give them a minute. And, and I think that was such a great mm. takeaway point and mm-hmm. such a great lesson for all of us mm-hmm. because it's our society, right? Hey, Sharon, how's it going? Good. Okay, good. Did I really care? I mean, I care about you. You know, I care about yeah. you, Sharon. But you know what I mean? We do this. We do this in right. passing. Hey, how's your day? Hey, Jeremy, how's the day going? Super. Great. Living the dream. Okay, yeah, me too. Yeah. Right? And we move on, right? But we need to stop. We need to just slow That's down right. a little bit, right? And when that person says, like, living the dream, man, that's a good time to just stop and go, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. What, 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 what's good and what's bad for you right now, right? Well, I think yeah. you've taken this to heart because when you first sat down in here you said so Sharon are you doing okay about Emma yeah and 
probably you wouldn't have addressed that before. You yeah, would have just, yeah. you know. Well, you know, people. So I think, I think you've, think, you've learned. You've learned, <laughs> and I need to learn. Well, but, it, but it's tough. I mean, I think people think, "Oh God, if I mention Emma to Sharon, she's going to lose it." Yeah. And whereas Sharon wants to talk about it, that's why she's yeah. got a tattoo on her yeah. arm. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, and I just and let you touch my tattoo of Emma. There you go. Yeah. So and I did that on purpose. Yeah. But um. But yeah. I mean, and I think you're right. Like, I mean, you know, I was just sitting here thinking we we kind of want to empathize with people you know if oh it's a horrible day well you know that's been crappy for me too you know but you're right i just thought through that and i thought gosh if somebody says that you don't know why they're saying that Mm -hmm. really what what happened you know what's going on is anything that you want to chat about and and you know that right there and, and i think that part of the reason that we're reluctant to do that is we think I don't want to get wrapped up in it, right? Right. right. Even if it seems it's like the a two-hour conversation, I don't now. want to get wrapped up. I'm not a counselor. I don't. I'm not going to fix this. And and that's a really important message: is that you don't have to fix it. Right. right. You don't have to feel mm-hmm. obligated to fix it by stopping and asking. Because just by stopping, right? If I just stop, right? If I'm, if I'm hey Jeremy, how's it going? Terrible day. Okay, I'm just going to pause. Yeah. Really, man? What's up? How's yeah. it, tell me what's what's going on today, right? I'm not going to necessarily fix it for you, right? But I'm telling you something important, right? Which I is care what? about you. I care about you, man. Right. I, you're my friend. I care right. about you, right? So just that alone is already doing a lot, it right? Is. Just that pause to mm-hmm. say, "Tell me what's good and what's bad today," or "Tell me what's bothering you today," mm-hmm. right? That does a lot right there. That says I care about you, and then it gives you a chance to be heard and, mm-hmm. and a chance to be heard for real, right? And then the third thing is that maybe I will have something. Maybe maybe you'll you'll say, you know, gosh, my sister-in-law got furloughed and my brother-in-law's sick and they're struggling for money, and and you know maybe I can just say, you know, I heard about this emergency loan thing you could do, right? I might I might have right. something that right. I'm not going to go into some deep psychoanalysis, but I might have something to, to offer you. But but in the end result, uh, the end result of that is that at least you're going to feel like you know what I'm not all that alone, and and that True. you know. I'm, I'm, other people can empathize. Other people can understand right. this. Right. And, and you know what you talked about, you know, mentioned about empathizing. Within weeks of Caitlin passing, one of my son's best friends from high school also took his own life. He died also mm. of suicide. And again, it, it's just, it's widespread, you know. Yeah. And so I know from talking to, to that boy's mother, she said, you know, it, it gets very awkward because I'll be at a, you know, a social setting and people are talking about their kids and she goes, and then, and then they sort of notice me and they, and they want and to clam up. That's true. And she goes, and, and I want to talk about him. I want, I yeah. want to talk about Danny. What's his name? She goes, I want to talk about Danny. I want yeah. them to ask me about him and I want to share fun stuff about him. I, I don't want it to be that, oh, we can't talk about that, you know, but again, it's just sort of societally, you know, we've been cultured to, inculturated to do certain things or respond to, to situations mm-hmm. that are, they're, you know, uncertain or sometimes right. uncomfortable in a certain way that's not really helpful right, right. To, to the situation itself. well I've, I've found that even if somebody says oh <clears throat> talk about your tattoo yeah and which is the whole point of me getting it yeah. to talk about and, 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 they, and they think you're going to talk about your yeah. little bouncing baby yeah. granddaughter yeah. but yet i've learned already to preface it with you're going to be uncomfortable yeah that's good and mm-hmm. and i give them that opportunity and then they'll say well okay well tell us about it mm-hmm. and i've had doctors proceduralists start crying mm. right there in the room whenever i tell the story yep. but i will tell people now instead of just saying it it's going to make you uncomfortable because it is something that nobody wants to really really talk about like you know with with the cohorts coming in i mean do you guys and i'm, I'm sure there's some training on this but 
help them to support one another because it is such a difficult mm. program to go yeah, through and point. ask these types of questions and you know are there people that you know might check in with them yeah. so often well, do y'all or still do you know? the big sister little sister <laughs> thing yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah they've got okay. a, they've got a buddy that's another student who's you know a, a senior then they senior used student. to give us a crna that we were buddies they've with. got a crna buddy they've, okay. they've, got, they've got a crna yeah. faculty member who's mm-hmm. their kind of you know individual counselor and and then and we've got a lot more resources now too we've got yeah. a school chaplain we've got a school counseling group and so there, there are a lot of resources out there but the problem is the awareness and, and keeping the conversation right. open, right? That's really the barrier right. that we have to right. get over. And, you know, in terms of policies that you mentioned, Jeremy, the, one of the things that really is a challenge for us is that as faculty members, we have this balance that we have to strike between mm-hmm. privacy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Privacy of the student, right. because, you know, when a student's doing poorly, you, you can't just say like, hey, I'm calling your mama, you know? Right. I'm right. calling your mama. Yeah. But sometimes that's exactly what needs to happen. <clears throat> and so we're actually working. We've got a multidisciplinary group that's come together now, to, at, including our legal folks, to say, how do we navigate that, right? How do we straddle that? So that we're doing the right thing legally and protecting students' rights as right. they should be, right. That's a and doing whole the right thing layer. ethically, right? For the wow. student, when we have that concern, when faculty members say, "Like, gosh, I got some real concerns about this person," sometimes you just need your mama, you know, or your yeah. daddy, and yeah. and so we're really working on trying to think about how we can put some policies in place that give us more ability to be more proactive about that. But it's really about the awareness, you know, for starters. I think talking about it, and we have historically done a pretty good job about substance abuse awareness, which in our profession is, you know, a little mm-hmm. disproportionately high. Yeah. And that's exactly the message there. We've always said it's okay to talk about it, and to, to make that person uncomfortable. And, and you know, there's a CRNA that speaks for us a lot, and, and she's she's great. She's you know been in recovery for many years. You know, a little bit older of a CRNA, and she'll usually come in and she'll start off, introduce herself, and she'll say, I'm a CRNA. I'm also a mother. I'm a, you know, a spouse, partner. I'm an aunt. I'm a friend. And I'm a drug addict. Oh, and then, and then the room just gets and, quiet. And you, get that, you get that pin drop, right? <clears throat> and, and, it's, and it's so impactful because it's a great way to tell the students, like, it's okay to talk about this, number one. And also, number two, the quote person who's addicted to drugs does not look like you know they're sitting in the you it's know never the person you think row, it right? would be and mm-hmm. so so we and we've done a, I think a pretty good job about that but I think we need to now expand that right so we're mm-hmm. trying to expand that and say let's expand that conversation and this isn't just about substance abuse it's about you know mental wellness in general and, right. and it's okay to say you know I really struggled with depression I really struggled with whatever it might be mm-hmm. it's okay to talk about it and again it, it's the message behind the message because it's one thing just to convey the information but the important kind of subtext of that is it's okay to talk about you know it, it, it's acceptable you don't have to be yes you are a hero for what you're doing but you don't have to be a superhero you know we, right. we, we respect you but you don't have to be a superhero or okay. superhuman and you know, so make it's it okay, okay to, to say it. you're not okay it's, it's okay to be not okay is exactly that's, and that's none of us are okay I mean, that's the thing that Truly, we really right. need to get across yeah, is, exactly. you know, I always tell people, you know, there is no perfect family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've worked with thousands of individuals and no one has a perfect family. No one yeah. has a True perfect that. life. Nobody is okay. Mike Pierce is perfect. <laughs> I've known him long enough to know Your that's Honor. not true. But, you Your know. Honor, let the record show. <laughs> um, the witness has stated. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855 855- 
855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. But, but anyway, you know, I think something else, Mike, that you've talked about a little bit, but the workaholic mentality. Oh, and, my God. We've got know, that in space. Yeah. Yeah. And, and finding balance yeah. in anesthesia providers sometimes yeah. is tough. I mean. It is. And, you know, we started doing something a couple years ago, which I, I just love that we did. It was a great idea. It was not my idea, but um, I'll take credit for it. Yeah, but <laughs> we started doing it with school. We did this, this thing called Lifeline. And the Lifeline program is just kind of a series. And we had it had kind of back down a bit during COVID because, again, we couldn't get together. But we bring the students together and just do something fun, you know, and the most random things. And sometimes oh, it would come I've about. I've seen some of that like, stuff on your like, Facebook oh, yeah, page. Yeah, out like, there like in the Kristen the park, Henderson, yeah. she, she likes the essential oil thing. So she did a whole little workshop, and they all got to take some essential oils home. And one of the students happened to know how to knit. And so we go, oh, we'll buy hmm. a bunch of knitting needles and yarn. And they all knitted stuff. I don't know. If I, I, <laughs> I never got any socks out of it. I don't know. I'm still waiting. But, but you know, we'll, oh. we'll do this Lifeline program. And, again, it's sort of like on one hand, it's the face value is okay we're going to do something fun but right. but the subtext is find that balance right sure. do, do yeah. something other than just anesthesia find joy in other things right. and, and find that balance right. and and you know people that run and people that you know can do things other than just have their nose in the books are way better off mm-hmm. and, and again yeah. it's a paradox because sometimes the students are like man i'm really having a hard time but i'm going to study even more and, and i say wait study a little bit less and go run you, you know, know? The, uh, i think of right? whitney benfield i mean <laughs> yeah. you know she co-chaired a meeting with me a couple of years ago right after she graduated and we were at myrtle beach and she said sharon i've got to go run yeah exactly and you know i'm like good for you girl yeah so you go yeah, i won't a, be a, running a, with you but <laughs> you it's go. interesting you know I, I i have to mentally make myself stop sometimes i, I know mean, you do i tell sarah there are some office. days i go in my office 13 hours 14 hours and and literally i am not kidding you i will say it'll be five o'clock and i'll go i don't think i peed today mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean not yeah, to be graphic true. but yeah. i go oh man i i need to run to the bathroom you well, know <laughs> and, and the work at home thing has made that worse too, oh, right? because now you don't have that separation you don't have that mm-hmm. oh it's quitting time or whatever it's just you're there and you're there and yeah. work there and and so um yeah we, we just did a few years ago dave dorito he, he was down at he went down to uh, unc but he ran the boston marathon he qualified for the boston marathon while he was a student and, wow. and which amazed me and and i said you know i know that takes a lot of work tell me yeah. how in the world did you balance a mm-hmm. lot of training with your schoolwork and he goes it's one and the same he goes to do well because he was a fabulous That's, student as well yeah, yeah. he says one and the same to do well in school i've got to give myself that break i got to give my brain that break and and you know i run and i think now what was that stupid thing about the shunt equation I'm, and then i go back and think about it more you know yeah but uh, but it's that balance that is so important you know and, yeah. and sometimes it's kind of a little counterintuitive i think sometimes you know, we tend to think we just want to drive real hard yeah and sometimes you got to realize that you know just just stepping out step for now, you know, step away from it is, is yeah. really, really helpful. Well, yeah. What was it? Thomas Edison or, you know, said that same thing. You'd go take a nap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. take a nap. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I, I do find that when I do get away and I come back. You're more productive. I am so much better. Yeah. Yes. So much better. Because if I sit in there, and I'm sure Sierra the same way, because our personalities are very similar in, in that. When I come back to it, man, I'm on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'll sit there and sit there and sit there and think I get to the end of the day and I go, 
dang, I didn't get that much done today, even though I've been here this whole time, uh, you know. Right, so, yeah. Yeah. We take wellness walks at work, you know, the days when we're all in the office. We'll, yeah. you know, usually sometime around mid-morning or so, and you sort of kind of just kind of get a little run down. You know, someone's go, hey, how about a wellness walk? And we'll all get up and we'll go. Mm, I like that. We've got the kind of like greenway that. behind our building there. We'll take a little walk. That it's is a ten, great idea. It's like 10 idea. minutes. I mean, it doesn't, it, it takes very little out of the day. And sometimes you talk about work and sometimes you talk about personal stuff, but, but we come back more energized. I like it. Yeah. No, I like this it is, a lot. This is good stuff. And, you know, I, I think the idea here is just, like you said, to bring awareness to yeah. it, to talk about it, to when somebody says, hey, I'm having a crappy day, why? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And try to address it. Yeah, um, and so we're we're looking at a number of different things, you know, that we can do in the hospital to have that conversation open, more services for make sure the students know about the services, and and then our run, you know, we're, we're planning an right, annual run right. that's coming up, and and with a lot of great support, thank you to CRNA Financial Planning as a sponsor, a lot of community sponsors, NCANA, AANA, and again, is to convey that message that this is how you find health, you know, find balance right. in life, get out there, and again, the the sort of subtext behind that once again is that we're out there to talk about it. You know, right. and, and I've got a good partnership with our CareNet, which is a subsidiary yep. of, of Wake Forest. It's a counseling <clears throat> a group, and, and that president worked with me, and he said, yeah, I'd love to be there and help you out. And so we just want to get people out there and say, you know, it, it's okay to not be okay. It's all right to talk about it, and we don't have to be shying away from the conversation. We don't have to be afraid of it. But we've got, uh, there's a group at Johns Hopkins that are sponsoring us, and a group of their students is going to run virtually. So awesome. this is taking off like crazy, and I'm so excited about it. We've already got over 260 people registered for mm-hmm. the run, and we're still a month out. It's going to be on October 18th. And we're going to be outdoors, have a lot of COVID precautions. We've already put all the COVID stuff in place. We're sending little groups of of people, runners out, you know, in cohorts. But, you know, we're we're going to get out there. We're going to start this as an annual thing. And that's that's just going to be the big kickoff. There's going to be a lot of smaller things we're going to do to keep that conversation Mm -hmm. open with our students. And and I want to work with NCANA because they kind of suggested this. And I'm all for it to think about how we can do this statewide, not just just for our program, because it's it's just important for everyone to do these kind of things. And, And maybe, you know, to set up a template that other programs can say like, oh, yeah, we could we could just do it easily in our program too. But the whole point is just to get the awareness, get people talking about it and, and get people talking to each other, you know, yeah. and not being afraid to talk to each other about, you know, tell me how you're doing. Because like I said, we're, we're all not doing okay in, in some ways right. or on some mm-hmm. days. Well, and it's great. I'm, I'm glad to see ANA is behind it. And CareNet's a great organization. I used to be president of the board for CareNet as well. So, but Mike, you're doing great work as always. You know, we, we really appreciate you and what you're doing and, Love having you on the show, yeah, so we'll, we'll have you back again, I'm sure, at some point. But kind of we as we wrap up and conclude, anything you want to conclude on here? You know, I think I think that slogan is, is the most important one. It's okay to not be okay. If mm-hmm. people, you know, keep that in mind, and, and, it, and it's okay to, to talk to your friends about it. Don't be afraid to just pause. Just slow down one little second. It, it's a very small investment. If you invest 30 seconds of time to just say sincerely, tell me how you're doing. Mm-hmm. You could save a life. Like yeah. that's mm-hmm. a that's a huge return on a very small investment. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very that's good. True. Well, I know we've done the lightning round with Mike before. You wanna, you wanna throw him some curveballs real quick? Well, we've still got some different questions we didn't ask him. This is Sharon's favorite part, I know. So. so what do people get wrong about you, Mike? Uh, you know, I think because I'm often in, you know, business attire and attending meetings and stuff, I, I think people probably don't realize what a hillbilly country boy I, I really am at heart. <laughs> you a hillbilly? <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, I like that one. So what are you binge watching right now? You know, I'm binge watching this show 60 Days In. 
What? Started watching it too. Uh, my my daughter got me onto this. They they take you. You might like to try this. You'd be yeah, interested. You'd, you'd actually be, be great really doing this. Except they, your blonde hair would give you away. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so at least you said blonde, not white. I love you. <laughs> so they put they put people in a prison to basically be a. Mole. Oh, I am I am not into this already. <laughs> <laughs> but they're basically moles. And they space, spend sixty days, and they're yeah. a mole. They're they're just trying to observe like where where the drugs coming in or what guards are shady or yeah. you know just whatever it is. So they're they're they. It's spend really 60 interesting. Days. 60 days in. Oh, and the pressure is enormous. So is that um, on Netflix? Or? It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix and and yeah. most interestingly, I read they get paid very little. Like I'm thinking like you're going to give yeah. me like a million bucks, I might do that, but they're going to pay like Let me write like this down because I'm coming to the end of Homeland. I think there's five seasons or something <laughs> yeah, of it now. Yeah, so yeah. But yeah, that's funny because I, I just started watching that not too long ago. So it's like, what are you watching? <laughs> uh, I'm like, oh, you wouldn't like it. <laughs> you would do great at that though, Jeremy. I don't know if I could fit in. I mean, that's the thing. There was a, I was watching one the other day, and the guy had been in a gang years and years ago, cleaned up his life, uh-huh. you know, and he goes back in, and he was Hispanic. And because he was Hispanic in there, it's segregated. You know, the blacks sure. are all together. The Hispanics are all together. Self-segregated. Uh, yes. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, whites usually are you know against everybody else so you know it's just the way that it works but he fit right in and with the guy that was running it on the hispanic side because he could talk the gang talk and he immediately stood up to one of the guys and was going to fight him the guy backed down so he had instant credibility so he's in like Mm -hmm. flynn yeah. And then there's another girl that went in. I, I don't want to get on this too much, but it, it was interesting because she's having a tough time fitting in at all. She She's trying to connect with the other people she knows that are in there on the 60 mm-hmm. day in as well. Yeah, and not the, a bad path. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's, it's interesting. You should well, watch I, it. That, I'll digress be, on that. That'll be next. So <clears throat> since we're talking about binge watching, what's your favorite movie? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the old classic. I'm gonna say Airplane. If, if I were on an island, you said you got one movie that you could watch. I'm gonna say the old classic. Really? Comedy, Are you talking Airplane. about the like, like the, the real pundit? silly yes. uh, comedy Airplane? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like if you could go back twenty years. Twenty years. Yeah. Twenty years. What would you do differently? Uh, oh snap! Uh, if I could go back twenty years, I, I'd invent the iPhone. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that's about Go like, back 20 years and know what you know now. Okay. Yeah. Right, well, I it's kind of like the movie uh, Peggy Sue Got Married. Yeah. Because she went back and they didn't have pantyhose. And oh, so yeah. she invested oh, right. in the pantyhose industry was and was yeah, exactly. rich later exactly. on. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. I, I think, you know, to that question, honestly, I, I don't know that I would do very much differently. I yeah. mean, I, and I think a lot of us just, you know, probably share this, like, it's a great career yeah. and I've got a great family. I got three kids that are doing great things and yeah. uh, life's good. I got a good, yeah. you know, great wife at home is a great mama. And yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. pretty good. I'd, I'd probably stay on the path. I'd, I'd just enjoy it all over again. Yeah, and we're glad that your wife and my wife are sharing a position yeah, together. Yeah, so, right. you know, <laughs> we get them out of the house and get them to share. work. They're, so, they're, they're yeah. Work partners, yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Mike, thank you again. Thanks for everything. And what's the website? Do you know the website for the run? I can't remember the name of uh, it right now. You know, now. I think if you Google Run for Joy, um, okay. you, you'll, you'll probably find okay. it. Or look on okay. our Facebook page. Like and we'll, we'll put it in our notes so if people want to donate, or they want to participate. Yes, um, and and and, uh, and we should say, make it very clear, it's a walk slash run. So okay. you don't have to don't run. Have to you run. could yep. you could walk. We're going to have a lot of great sponsors there. Chick Fil A is coming to oh, give sandwiches awesome. to everyone. Yeah. And so we got some good sponsors showing up. Uh, you. Can
you could walk, you could run, you could do a virtual. If you don't want to show up at all, you could you, know, you could you could sign up and just do it at home. Get on your treadmill or walk around your block or whatever you want to do. Just just to help because we just want people to be thinking about it, right? Yeah, if they're thinking absolutely. about it and thinking about that message about look out for your neighbor, then then we're doing something. Absolutely. Awesome. Sharon? I think it's a wrap. I think so. Yeah, it's been a very good one again. We want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. And Sharon, you know, the single best way to help us grow is what? The single best way. What's the number one? <laughs> oh, I put you what on the you, spot. Sharon speechless. She I doesn't know, even, but there's so say. many ways. <laughs> but if you had to pick one, what would be the best way? Well, right. Well, right now is give us a review. There you go. Because the algorithm. I kind of set you up, I learned. Yeah, you did. The (laughs) algorithm. I I learned that the algorithm, it pushes you up in the ratings. The more reviews you have. Positive. Positive. Because we have enough negativity out there. Amen to that. If you have something ugly to say, email me. Yeah, email Jeremy. If you got something good to say. uh, Call me. (laughs) 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 Oh, me. But yeah, you know, we're in the top 50 medical podcasts and, uh, you know, we want to help the show grow and get the word out there about good things going on like uh, like we talked about today and where we can benefit the community so until next time it's a wrap have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. 
Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.